You know how long it took Good evening. To get, you Hope know you're all doing well. We're ready to get started. Today we are learning Maseches Yevamos Daf Pei Zion. Mir Tzashem finishing the parak of Yesh Mosaros and starting the parak of Oisha Raba. So today we're only learning one blot, even though it's Thursday. Shabbos, uh, we'll be learning one blot, and then we'll be behind a blot, and then midnight on uh, Shabbos, uh, Motzei Shabbos for Shavuos, we'll catch up. Okay, um, we're at a new Mishnah on the bottom of Pei Vav, Amud Beis. And uh, this Mishnah has multiple layers to it. The first half of the Mishnah speaks about Abbas Yisrael who first marries a Kohen, and then he dies, and then she marries a Levi, and then he dies, and then she marries a Yisrael, and then he dies. And she has a child with each of them. And then our focal point is going to be, what is her access to foods that are typically restrictive, such as Meiser and Truma? So that's the first part of the Mishnah. And the second part of the Mishnah is a flip where the wife is not a Bas Yisrael, but rather a Bas Kohen, and the structure is still similar for that. So let's get started. Five, six lines from the bottom of Pevav and Mubez at a new Mishnah. The Mishnah writes, Bas Yisrael Shenises the Kohen Tochal the Truma, a basic din. A regular Yisraelis girl, and she marries a Kohen. The halacha is that she's allowed to eat Truma. She earned the right through marriage. Now, Mace, if her, her Kohen husband dies, but Vilohi Menu Ben, so let's say she's married to a Mr. Rabbi Kohen, and they have a child, baby Kohen, so then, if there's still a child, even though the husband's dead, but because the child is still alive, tochal betruma, the din is that she's still allowed to eat truma through, vicariously through her son. Now, her, her Kohen husband died, and then she's back on the market, and she remarries. Nisei's lelevi, and then she marries a levi. Now she earns the right, even though she's a Yisraeli, tochal b'maiser, she's no longer allowed to eat truma because... She, now she's been trumped by, doesn't matter. Now she's restricted by her husband. We'll get there. We'll get there. And the halacha is that tochal b'maiser, she's allowed to eat maiser. What about mace? What if the levi husband dies? And in that marriage, in the second marriage with the levi, they had a child as well. Mace So if the levi husband dies, but before he died, they had a child. So then tochal b'maiser, the halacha is that this woman, now married to her second husband, and the second husband died, the halacha is she can still eat the maiser. Then she marries a third time. By the way, we're running into a halachic issue. All of her husbands are dying. So right. that's a little bit of a problem. But in the meantime, the Mishnah is not really talking about that. So let's just assume that it's a theoretical case for now. Four lines from the bottom on Pevav and Mubez. Now she marries for her third husband, Israel. Now that she's married to Israel, she's a Israel. She's married to Israel. Now she can't eat any restricted foods because... She's a Yisrael and her husband's a Yisrael. Granted, she has a Kohen child and she has a Levi child. Doesn't matter because her husband is a Yisrael and she's a Yisrael. No portal of entry to Truman Mice. Let's say the third husband dies, Mace. And now she has a Yisrael child. That Yisrael child limits her from eating everything as well. Now, the three husbands have died. Now the Gemara says, what happens if the Yisrael child dies? The Yisrael child was holding her back from Truman Meiser. So says the Gemara, two lines from the bottom. Let's just summarize what we have right now. This woman, let's say her name is, uh, is Rachel. She has three children. One is the child of a Kohen. One is a child of a lady, And one is a child of a Yisrael. Okay. Mace benami Yisrael. If her third child, the one from the third marriage, the Yisrael dies, the child, tochal b'maiser. Then what's her default? Then her next child, her previous child was a levy, and therefore she can eat meiser again. Mace ben Levi, if the child of the levy dies, then who is her only descendant at this point is a, a Kohen. Then tochal betruma. Mace ben Kohen, let's say that her child from the Kohen dies, now she has no husbands and no children, now she's just a Bas Yisrael. She reverts back to a regular Bas Yisrael, 
That is case number one in our Mishnah. On on the top, at the second half of the Mishnah, we have a very similar case. It's slightly inverted because the wife is not a Yisrael. The Mishnah writes on the top of Pezayin and Aleph, what if the case is a Bas Kohen Yisrael? This is a Bas Kohen. Before she gets married, she has rights to Truma. And then she marries Yisrael Lo Sochal B'Truma. She loses her rights. She married out. She married a Yisrael. And therefore, she cannot eat Truma. Now, let's say that her husband... The Israel dies. She's a Bas Kohen and her husband dies, but Velohi Menu Ben. And they had a child in this first marriage, Lo Sochal, but Truma. The din is that because of this child who's Israel, she's tethered to the Israel. And even though she's a Bas Kohen, the din is that she cannot eat Truma. And let's say for her second marriage, Nisais Lelevi, when she's married to a Levi, Tochal Bemeister, she's a Bas Kohen married to a Levi, she's allowed to eat Meister because her husband is now a Levi. What happens if this husband dies, Mais Velohi Menu Ben? But in this second marriage of the Bas Kohen to the Levi, they have a son, Tochal Bemeister, because she's tethered through this lady child to Meiser. She's allowed to eat the Meiser, no problem. Then she marries a third time. Nisais the Kohen, a Bas Kohen, marries a Kohen. Halach is tochal v'truma. Now she's allowed to eat truma because she's married to a Kohen. Meis v'lohi menu ben. Let's say that the third husband, the Kohen, dies, but they still have a child together before he dies. So tochal v'truma, the din is that through her child, who's a, a, a Kohen, the child of a Kohen, she's still allowed to eat the truma. That means all three. That means all three husbands have now died. This Bas Kohen married Yisrael Levi and Kohen, and then all three husbands die. Fine. Nebuch, the uh, third child that was born for her, the Kohen child, Meis Benomi Kohen. So then she loses her rights to Truma. Lo Sochal Truma, because what's her next son who's alive? A Levi. Meis Benomi Levi. If the next child who's a Levi dies, then Lo Sochal Meiser, then she's restricted from Meiser. Meis Benomi Yisrael. And if her third child dies, really her oldest of the three, because the Bas Kohen first married Yisrael, the din is Choseres Lebeis Aviha. Then this Bas Kohen can go back home and she's now eligible for Truma. That she's allowed to go back to her father's house as she did in her youth to eat bread from her father, she may eat. A little bit of a, an intense Mishnah, but confusing. what? Confusing. It's a confusing Mishnah. It takes a few times to comb through. Uh, but the brief summary, just to go through it, is that this, but first, she's a Yisrael, the case number one. She marries a Kohen. He dies. She marries a Levi. He dies. She marries a Yisrael. So we can already Look, when she's married to a Kohen, she can have Meister. When she's married to Levi, she can have, I'm sorry, when she's married to a Kohen, she can have Truma. When she's married to Levi, she can have Meister. When she's married to Israel, she can have nothing. But then the kids also, the kids are the second layer of the mission. Right, exactly. Which is still my bagel. <laughs> you still have access. You still have access. <laughs> then she's back. But, but, and right, but that's only true by the Bas Yisrael. In the second part of the mission, which is a Bas Kohen, her reverting back when everybody dies, the three husbands and the three kids, is she's still a Bas Kohen. She goes back to her father's house. She gets Truma. We're going to extensively discuss what she has access to with the Chaz of Ashok, but because that we discussed already, yes. I'm curious as to why nobody bothered to address how this woman managed to kill off three husbands, bam, 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 like that, and not mention it, not say what's going on there. I mean, to me, that rises to a higher level in Teruma and Nisa. hundred percent. She's called a Kadlanis in Halacha. This woman who kills three husbands is a Kadlanis. But that... If, if they were killed in a car accident... No, no, no. Enochanami. It could be the situation. If she'd be a Kadlanis, and first of all, you have to kill three. It's Machlokas and the Tanaim. Do you have to kill three to become the Kadlanis? Or do you have to kill two to become a Kadlanis? How do we establish a Chazaka? How do we establish that which is halachically assumed to be the habit? Is it in two creations or in three creations? So if we hold three, you have Hirsch's answer, which is maybe they died 
you know, with freak accidents. And then the question falls away because that's not her. That it could be that she's a Catalanist, that she is killing off her husbands, whatever that means. But but it takes three to become a Catalanist. That's another possibility. And the third answer is that you're right, but our mission is just not talking about that. Our mission is in a vacuum right now. Just the mission completely ignored it. Completely correct. And again, there's a host of reasons as to why just crowdsourcing. We have a couple of good answers, but okay. So the Mishnah picks on the uh, in the first half of the Mishnah. The Mishnah picks on the uh, the Gemara picks on one line where we said that if the son died, the son that was a Levi died, she can fall back to eat the Truma. Uh, from her son who's still alive, who's a Kohen. Says the Gemara, she can go back and eat based on her son and her only living son at that point in the first half of the mission was her Kohen son. Where do we know this din from that she's allowed to go back and default based on her child? Says the Gemara, a quarter of the way down, not really, but 12 lines down, Amarav Reb Abba, Amarav, Bas Uvas. The Pasuk reads, Uvas Kohen Kisi Almano Grusha Vizera in Lavachule. And it says, Uvas, and there's an extra vav. So it could have said bas, instead it said uvas. And therefore we know that a woman can default back to her child status. And when her only child is a coin, she's allowed to eat truma. Says the Gemara, Kiman, this doesn't work according to everyone. The drush of bas uvas only works according to Rebbe Akiva, the Darish Vavi. Because really Rebbe Akiva was the only one who darshins the letter vav. What that means is from looking at like biblical exegesis, when we see the letter vav, it's only valuable according to Rabbi Akiva. You can't, what? <laughs> exegesis, biblical exegesis, when you take something in the Torah and extract from it. Drasha, drasha. You, by the way, the, the biblical, the Bible classes that I took in YU was this, the biblical exegesis. How does the... What was Rabbi Akiva's methodology? We had one class that was all on the methodology of each of the classical Rishonim and Tanakh. Rashi's derech and pshat was X. Ibn Ezra, the derech and, and what you can expect from him. And he, and he brought Raya Bruras from across. It was fascinating. It was fascinating. So that's where that word came from. So fine, sorry. The, the drasha of the letter Vav is only allowed according to Rabbi Akiva. Where's Mark? <clears throat> says the Gemara, no, it's it's really not only Rabbi Akiva. We can even learn out this idea that her remaining son can determine what she's allowed to eat. Even the Rabbanan would say that because it's not darshaning the vav. Really, it's kula uvas krayaseri. The whole word uvas is a krayaseri's extra words. And therefore, even the Rabbanan might agree that the word uvas teaches us that if her only remaining child is a coin, she is then allowed to eat the truma. The Gemara says a brisa, Tanu Rabbanan, in the last case of the Mishnah, when this Bas Kohen, everybody dies and she goes back to her father's house. The Gemara says, when she does go back, yes, she's allowed to eat the Truma. However, she's not allowed to eat something that her father is allowed to eat, which is the Chaz of Ashok, which is parts of the Shlam and part of a Korban that a Kohen is allowed to eat. She's not allowed. Gemara is now going to present six different reasons as to why this is true. Answer number one, third of the way down. She's not allowed to eat that which was separated from the kachim, which is the chaz of Ashok. That's answer number one. Answer number two is from Rav Nachman Amarava Barabua. The Pasuk says, Milechem, below Kolechem, Prat Lechaz of Ashok. The word Milechem is she can eat from the bread. Diuk, what can't she eat? Therefore, she's excluded from there. That's not correct. Maybe the word milechem was more of a broad food word and didn't mean literally bread. It just meant food in general. And what was it coming to exclude? It's coming to say pratle 
prat lehafaris nadarim that the father is no longer able to is no longer able to nullify his daughter's promises, his daughter's nadarim. We know that the pasuk in Chumash writes that uh, a daughter who makes a promise while she's still single, her father can nullify the promise. But what about now? She's been married, she's had a few kids, and now she's back in the house. So says the Gemara. Maybe when it says milechem, it doesn't mean to exclude. It means to say that in this strange scenario where the daughter moves back home after having built three families and lost everybody, the father, it's not the same daughter. It's not the same daughter. She's not allowed to have her, her promises nullified by the father. Omar Rava, that can't be what's happening here. That can't be what Milechem means because we already paskened on this case of whether or not a father is allowed to nullify his daughter's, um, his daughter's nadarim. What does the Brisa say? If she's an almana or a grusha, she's a widow or she's divorced, her, her um, nidharma are on her, they're for her to determine as to whether or not she keeps or nullifies. What does that come to teach us? Hello, after all, isn't it obvious that she left her house already and all of her husbands have died? Ella says the Gemara, it must be that what's going on over here and why the Pasuk needed to go out of its way to say that almana grusha that she's responsible for her own nadarim is because because the father gave over the rights to his daughter to the shluchim of the Baal, or that's when she died in Ukimta, she died in a unique scenario. There's no way in that scenario to say who she belongs to. If she dies during the shlichus process, we don't know who she belongs to. Ella says the Gemara, so Tana Debe Rabbi Shmuel, this Brisa teaches us, we already know. We already know that a father is not allowed to be made for another for his daughter once she's left the house, even for an hour. Once she's left Birshu's Baila, she went to her husband's, even for a moment, even if she then comes back, the father has lost his rights to be made for another to nullify promises for the daughter. So therefore, says the Gemara, the answer of Rav Nachman in the name of Rabbi Baravua cannot be that the word Milechem is coming to exclude Hafaris Nadar. So therefore, says the Gemara, you're right, let's go to answer number three, two-thirds of the way down, three lines before the wide lines. Of Safra says, She can eat from the bread of her father, only bread, but not flesh. Therefore, she cannot eat chazavisho. Rapap Amar mi lechem avia tochel. Same words. And what what is the drash here? Lechem akanu ilavia. The only thing she's allowed to eat is that which her father actually has a kinyan on. Prat lechazavishok to mishulchan vokazachu. However, the chazavishok that comes from a korban that comes from kachim, and therefore. Yes, the father can eat it, but he doesn't really own it. And because the father doesn't own the chaz he can't really give it to his daughter unless she was still living in the house initially. But because she went out of the house, she's done. Answer number five, first of the long lines of Rava Amar, the Pasuk says, And what's the drash? Only when she lives with you as a child, but once she grows up, conversational. Then the Gemara says, Amar Avada Bar Ava Tana, we have a brisa that says as follows. That when a woman does come back to her house, like we said above, she's eligible for chuma, but not for eating the parts of the shlam and the chazav And then the Gemara says a, a line that is a contrasting line. We need to understand it. It says, But if she has a child um, who is of the Kohen family, then so this line of Rabbi Adabar Ava was presented by Rav Mordechai, also Rav Mordechai, Ravashi. This strange distinction. If a woman comes home with no children, she can eat truma but not chaz of If the woman comes home with a child who's a, from a Kohen, she can even eat the chaz of So says Ravashi, Amar, 
Where did you learn this from? That a woman is allowed to be chozeres, but she cannot eat chazavishok. And where did you learn that if she has a child, she's allowed to eat even chazavishok? The Pasuk says, me, ubas, from the Pasuk that we started with at the Gemara at the top of this page. So it says the Gemara, mi adifa lamina. How can it be that the child is more powerful than the woman herself. When the Bas Yisrael comes home with a child in tow, this Kohen child, the halacha is she has a full restoration, she can eat the truma, she can eat the chaz But when she comes back by herself, she can only eat the truma, but not the chaz Why is the kid more powerful? So the Gemara responds five lines into the wide lines, because Hassan by the woman, we have something in the Pasuk that teaches us something exclusionary about a woman. The Pasuk says, which implies she's eating something, but not everything. So therefore, by her, we say, when it's only the woman without a child, then the Gemara has the din that she can eat the truma when she goes back home to Beisavia, but she cannot eat the chaz of Ashok. However, when it comes to the child, when she does bring this Kohen child with her back to her father's house, by the child, by the child, there are no exclusions, and therefore there's no reason to limit this Kohen as she returns home, this Bas Yisrael who has a child when she returns home with the child, and therefore she can even eat the chazavishol. We're at the two dots, about 12 lines from the bottom of the page. Uh, the Gemara is going to go through some very, very sophisticated and detailed kalvachomers, five of them over uh, from where we are until the end of the parak. so uh, buckle up, they're hard. Uh, we're going to be making comparisons from the world of Yibum over to the world of Truma, and they are somewhat subtle, but let's dig in. First, the first part is the easy part, which is the Bryce. Tanu Rabbanon, uh, let me read it within the two dots, Bas Kohen Shinises Yisrael. The second half of the Mishnah speaks about a Bas Kohen who marries Yisrael Vichule. Tanu Rabbanon, we said, Vishavel Beisavia Prat Shomeris Yavam. Yes, when she goes home, she can eat Truma. However, if she's a Shomeris Yavam, if Rachel was married to Ruvain and Ruvain died, and then Shimon is her Shomeris Yavam, Shomer Yavam, so then she's not allowed to eat Truma. And also, Kine Ureha Prat Lemu Beres. That when we say that a person has to go back, that a woman can go back to her house, Kine Ureha, great if she's like she was when she was a child. However, if she's pregnant, then she's not allowed to eat truma. Says the Gemara, why did you have to teach me the din of kinu ureha pratlemu beres to exclude a woman who's pregnant? I already know that from the following kalvachomer. Vahalo dinu. What is the din? What is the kalvachomer? Says the Gemara, we know as follows. What does this mean? Let's say that Rachel was first married to Chaim. Chaim is of the, the Stein family, not related to the, uh, to the Klein family. So Chaim over there, she's married, and they have a child, and uh, then they get divorced or the husband dies. Fine. Now she wants to remarry Ruvain, Ruvain of the Klein family. And then... Uh, they don't have a child, but Ruvain dies. Now, she has a child with Chaim, but she doesn't have a child with Ruvain. Is there still Yibum to Shimon? Now, typically, we would say yes. So, therefore, the Gemara says as follows. Just like in a case where when she had a child of Vladmin Harishon, we don't say that the Vladmin Harishon impacts the Vladmin Hasheni, the Potramin Yibum, and there, Asa Ubar Kiyilod, and there, even if she was pregnant, we would assume that the child, it's as if he's born, and therefore, uh, she'd still be Chayev, uh, in, in Yibum, then Makom Vlad Yet in our Mishnah, we know that the birth of the child in her first marriage impacts whether or not she has access to Truma in her second marriage. So then, of course, we're going to have a limitation from a woman who's pregnant. Therefore, says the Gemara, 
Uh, maybe we don't need to have maybe the Bryce has an extra drasha because of the Kalva Homer that we just learned, says the Gemara. That's not correct. Lo, your Kalva Homer is flawed because Mali Asa Ubarki Lo Yibum Share Asa Mesim Kichayim. That when it comes to a woman who's pregnant and we treat the child, we treat that child in utero like the child is born in regards to Yibum, Share Asa Mesim Kichayim, that we treat Mesim Kichayim, that if uh, a child so there's a big difference between those two in regards to Ubar status. And therefore, by Truma, Talmud Lomar, we needed the drasha. The Gemara asks, why did we need both the Pasuk of Kinu Ureha, which teaches us, one says she's pregnant without children, and the other says, uh, Pasuk says, why do we need both of those? So it says the Gemara, we needed both for the following reasons. If the Pasuk had only said, then I might have thought the fact that she's childless I might have thought that that when we're talking about a woman who has children, that the reason we're saying that uh, they need to still do Yibum is because she first had no children, and then now she has two, two bodies, she and her child. But a woman who's pregnant, while she's pregnant, she has one body. And when she's pregnant, everyone's still considered to be one body. So therefore, I might have thought she would be eligible for eating Truma because she's only one body and not two. Kamash Malan, uh, sorry, not Kamash Malan, Sricha. Therefore, we need the other part of the Pasuk, the, the case of Meuberes, to make sure that we exclude her from access to Truma. However, says the Gemara, because of Rachmana Meuberes, if the Torah had only taught us about the drush of Kinureha to exclude a Meuberes from Truma, I would have made, might have made another error. Because of Rachmana Meuberes, the Meikara Gufa Srika. Before she was pregnant, her body was Srika, was empty. Now that she's pregnant, her body is full. However, aval zera in law, when a woman doesn't have children, to gufa srika, behashta gufa srika, that even if she did have children, her 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 uterus is still empty. Aimalo, I might have thought the din was different. Therefore, srika, we need both cases. The Gemara here present, presents a lengthy simon. It's four lines, three lines are all long. Simon, Omar Lei, Lo Nase, Maaseha, Vemisa Nase, Velo Nase, Bevlad Yavam, Utruma Yibum, Utruma Simon. Okay, so uh, you'll see as the Gemara continues as to how these simon may be connected. <clears throat> The Gemara says on Pezayin Amid Beis, five lines down, Omar le Rabbi Yehudami di Iskarta le Rabbi. Rabbi Yehudami di Iskarta asks Akasha to Rabbi. Maybe we should say, Lo na'ase meisim kichayim le'inyin yibum. Maybe we should say that we don't treat the descendants who died the same way as we do the ones that are alive in regards to yibum. That maybe the descendants who died won't cause for yibum. Says the Gemara, why would I have thought that? Mikal v'chomer. That in a scenario of Truma, where we uh, looked at the Vlad Rishon of, let's say, in the first part of our Mishnah, where the Bas Yisrael married a Kohen, and then she had a child, and then she went over to the second husband, there's Vlad Shani. And we do say that that can create a psul from Truma. There, in regards to Truma, lo we don't treat uh, the death of descendants the same way as we do the uh, descendants who are alive. Then, we don't say such a thing. That was the Klein and the Stein family. We don't care about 
about the child from the first family because they're not related. Maybe then we should have a different din. We should say that uh, that mesim are not treated the same way as chaim. And maybe if the child died at a later point, the yibum would again kick in. Says the Gemara. That's not right. Could you imagine a woman has a child with uh, with Reuven, and Reuven has a brother, and then the child dies five years later. So now Yibum kicks in. That's that's not possible because the Torah is That's not the right way. The Torah feels that that's a violation of and therefore uh, we don't make such an assumption. The second uh, drasha in the, within this simon is about twelve lines down, fifteen lines down, and the Gemara says maybe we should say Maybe we should say that the death of a descendant is the same as a living descendant as it relates to truma. How so? In regards to Yibum, we don't say that child number one born to Chaim, to the, to the first family, has any impact on the second to exempt her from Yibum. And in such a case, the death of the child is similar to the living child. That in regards to truma, where we do say that the there's an impact of her first child from the first marriage on the status of her ability to eat truma, maybe for sure we should say that says the Gemara no Talmud Lomar Vizera in law that uh, she does not have any. Uh, she does not have any children, and in fact, she doesn't have children. Okay. And then the third that the Gemara is going to try to make is as follows. Maybe we should say three lines into the wide lines. Maybe we should say that the first child should have an impact on the Yibum status of the second child. Says the Gemara, why would I have assumed that? That in regards to truma, where we don't treat the death of a descendant as a living descendant in regards to truma, and there we have the guideline that the Vlad Minarishon does impact the uh, status of her truma with the second child, then that in regards to Yibum, where we do treat the death of a descendant as we do a living descendant, then maybe we should say, all the more so, uh, we would say that the status of one child should impact another. No, that's not correct. And therefore, we reject the Havamina of, this, uh, of the Gemara. And the last one before the end of the Perek, is the following assumption. Maybe we should say five lines before the end of the parak that maybe we should say that we don't treat the child of, uh, of the first marriage like the second one for Truma, that we disconnect the two, even though that's not what our Mishnah says. We're going to reject this anyways. But what was the Kalva Homer to make such an assertion? That in regards to the case of uh, treating the death of a descendant like a living one to exempt a woman from Yibum, in such a case, we don't uh, connect the Vlad Minarishon and the Vlad Minasheni. So then, Makom that in regards to a halachic area where we don't treat Mesim Kichayim in Yintruma, then all the more so, all the more so, we should say that there's no impact from one child to the next in regards to Truma. Says the Gemara, Talmud Lomar, in this case, she does have a child. So therefore, there is a connection between 
the child born in one marriage and another as it relates to her access to truma. I know that these are some very complex kalvachomers. Feel free to do some chazara. Um, it took me a long time to understand them the first time. I'm not totally sure I understand all of them now as well as I should, but I got the basic concept. And with that, I'm going to say my happy words of Hadron Allah, Yesh Mutaros. Baruch Hashem, we finished yet another perek, and we're starting another one right now. We're going to go in about until about eight lines from the bottom of the page. Uh, we should come back to this uh, new this perek in seven and a half years. The new perek opens. Um, a woman lives wherever she lives. Her husband goes out of town. And uh, she finds out that Nebuch, her husband's out of town. She finds out that her husband dies. And based on the testimony that she got, we'll see later that she only did this based on the testimony of one person. So then what's the din? If she married another, she was married to Ruvain, Ruvain died. Then she married Chaim, Venises, and then her husband shows up after uh, many months. And the halacha is, she has to divorce both. And she needs a get from both husbands. She doesn't collect her ksuba. She doesn't collect the fruits. She doesn't have any chiyu from her husbands, have no, have no obligation to feed her. She doesn't get to collect the clothes that she had brought into the marriage. Not on either husband, the first or second. If she took anything from them, she's obligated to pay back anything she took from them. And any children that were born subsequent to her marrying the second husband are considered mamzerim. Neither husband, if they were kohanim, could become tame to her. If she died. They're totally disconnected from her. They have no rights to objects that are found in her name, any proceeds that she might have made, and they cannot be made for her nadarm. They cannot nullify her vows. Um, and if she, if if in fact she was a Baisisrael, if she slept with the second husband, she's done, she's no longer allowed to marry a Kohen, she's a Zona, if, she, uh, if, she's, uh, if she's a Baslebi, she can no longer eat Maiser, very, very sharp. There is no Ksuba money to be collected. If either of the husbands died, the original one or the second, Rashi points out, why are we being so strict? She had edus. She had someone come over and say the husband's dead, and she married based on that edus. So Rashi points out the top Rashi in the parak was because, uh, not the top Rashi, the second Rashi, because she didn't do enough work. Um, and uh, she is basically a zona. She needed to do more verification. You can't get married off of one testimony of one person. You have to do more work. You have to verify that the husband's actually dead. Sounds like you're trying to run. He's dead? Okay, wonderful. Let's get married. So that's not allowed. And we'll see soon that this has some impact on the halachos of Aguna, because Rashi speaks about this. This is really a subtext of what's going on in this Mishnah, is that we do try to rely on, we try to be mekel when it comes to Aguna, but we have to be very careful because when there is an Aguna scenario where we think a husband has died, you have to be super careful when the woman remarries because otherwise you have some serious halachic issues. And here, she did not go the extra mile to actually verify the death. Um, two-thirds of the way down, halfway through the Mishnah in the new Perek, Rabbi Yossi Omer Ksuvasal It's not really right. He disagrees with the Tanakama that really this woman does get the Ksuba from the first husband. Rabbi Lazar Omer Harishon He argues with the Tanakama and says that the first husband does have rights to any objects that have her name on them, any proceeds that she makes, and he is allowed to be made for her Nadarim. And Rabbi Shimon Omer Biyaso Chalitzasa Mechav Shal Rishon Poteres Sarasa. Then Rabbi Shimon says that if there was 
any uh, bia or chalitza, if there was any yibum or chalitza with any of the brothers, it potters the tsara from uh, from anything else. She can go free. And the, uh, he also argues with the Tanakama. The Tanakama held that in such a case where she remarries with only one aid, the child would be a mamzer. This shita Rabbi Shimon doesn't agree. Beim nises shelo birshus. If she got married without rishus, we'll see soon what that means. Muteras lachs or lo. Then she's allowed to go back to the first husband. Nises al pi bezdin. If she got married with the das of bezdin, then teitze, and then the husband shows up, she should uh, she should leave the marriage. Upturah mina korban. No korban is required. Lo nises al pi bezdin. If she married without bezdin, then teitze vechayavin bekorban. Then she has to get divorced, but she's obligated to bring a korban. Then the Gemara points out a sidebar comment, which is Yafekoch Bezdin Shapotramina Korban, is that when she marries properly through Bezdin, then they are such a powerful institution, the institution of Bezdin, that it exempts her from bringing a korban if she incorrectly marries. Let's say they gave her a psak that she could marry, and she went and she was inappropriate. She had Tashmashamita with someone. Then she's in a korban because they only gave her permission to marry. So now it's not carte blanche to do whatever you want. And then she's a korban. We'll be discussing a lot of this. So let's just learn. You know what? Actually, let's just stop here because it'll be actually be much cleaner to start from here on Shabbos. We're going to stop at the end of this Mishnah on Shabbos Emir Tashem, 45 minutes before Mincha. I think it's at 707. I think so. Uh, we'll be starting with uh, from the Gemara on the bottom of Pezayan and Mabez. Wishing you all a beautiful night. Mm-hmm.